2: on Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast presented by our good friends at Fetch Me Home Delivery. Use promo code Me 20 for your first delivery free. They are local and they're Auburn people. If you're listening to this show, you probably love that bunches. As we do here at the Locked On Auburn Podcast, so download their free Locked on, or not locked on, that's not the name of their app. <laughs> the name of their app is uh, Fetch Me, and then you can go to FetchMeDelivery.com, and you once again, use promo code FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. You heard the laugh of Painter Sharpless there. Michael Papp is in studio as well. We're going to dub this the first ever Locked on Auburn, Locked on Ole Miss crossover episode. We're making a, a sweet pod baby right here. Absolutely. Loom, making We're, an appearance. On the LOA podcast. Wow. Big if true. Auburn basketball looked really bad last night, except for towards the end when they came back uh, from a, a one point. It was 19, 19 point rally, double overtime. And folks listening to this right now, they're probably a little sleepy this morning for staying up till about midnight, watching a, a basketball game on a Tuesday night.
1: Never have I been so wrong And yet at the end of the game, so right. Because I said this would happen, but I didn't think they'd get down by 19 first. So it's kind of hard to toot my own horn too much. Uh, The consistent theme of Auburn struggling early, especially on the road, was more obvious than ever. This is exaggerated. I've been um, a big defender of Javon and Samir, and I'm going to stay there. But let's be clear. That was another pedestrian performance. Now you don't get the win without some of the good things that they do, but the obvious part is the scoring and the turnovers from your guard play. Was the, the teams will get better? This is one of the worst teams in the league.
3: Yeah, Michael, you took the under on this, right? Yes, I did. And uh, two
1: overtimes does not help that.
3: No, so it's it's hard to be too upset when the final score is under the total and then they go to two overtimes so that's a bummer i was more upset, upset. that i just meant about losing the bet i'm not actually upset okay, I, I, I,
1: unlike you i have no skin in the game there um
3: i was actually more upset that auburn was up by five in overtime number one and the line was five and i was feeling great i was like oh wow
0: Ole Miss is going to have
3: to foul. Auburn knocks down one free throw the rest of the game. Boom, I got a cover, baby. Instead, uh, I think it was Macklemore who fouled Schuler for an and one, and then Ole Miss obviously came back. And I, I think the story of this game is really how Auburn played in the second half. And Not then, Macklemore shooting 10 threes? I, I think it is how Auburn battled back in the second half and then collapsed in the last minute of Bo- the end of the game and then in overtime. McLemore shot ten threes. And yeah, he made five of them. Sure, yeah. You take fifty percent from three, but that's <laughs> true. I mean, I would have never guessed that would ever happen. That's true. But they kept saying in the broadcast, it was like McLemore was the only one that could make a make a basket. Dowdy, I don't know how many points he ended up with seventeen. All of them after halftime. Macklemore was your leading scorer with nineteen before, and he and he fouled out. Um. Played 29 minutes, which is probably his season high. Auburn doesn't have a point guard.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June thirty, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on so find your local dealer today that's Kubota they do
2: not have a point guard and this team is 18 and 2 they're finding ways to win games I mean you can say as much as you want 100% I'm not I'm not discounting this team I, I'm just I'm saying that as more of what they have been able to do so far without having any type of point guard play is is pretty impressive
3: Javon McCormick is really struggling going against longer defenders right now.
2: Um, I think he's struggling against people that play
1: defense. See, I I think Javon's performance is a non-conference. You could pick here and there, but I think there is some reason to be more critical now that conference play has started. I, th- I think to to lump in all of, co- of non-conference play with what we've seen on the road from Javon, and, and at times Samir too, as conference play has gotten started, I don't think it's fair to him to just say, ah, uh, he's he's not been. I mean, you know, he scored almost 30 points in a game at one point this year. Like, he's yeah. had some big shots, but you're right, in the last two to three weeks and on the road,
2: it's been obvious. And, and last night, Samir especially, but both guards, Dowdy and McCormick, they were able to get to the free throw line. So, I mean, that, that gives you four points there. I mean, if you're shooting the ball 10 times and you score 12 points like that, it, he has been far worse this year. So, I, I think that was fine. And, and when you couple that... The bigger issue for def-
3: McCormick was nine turnovers.
2: Yeah, and so like w- with the defense that he is playing, though, it- it's making up for it. like there's a reason that Bruce Pearl plays him so much and keeps him on the court almost as much as possible. But yeah, I mean, nine turnovers is not what you want. But he's not a point guard. I think he's a two. I think, but it's just not. It's just not where work- I mean, he just doesn't look comfortable handling the basketball.
3: I, I think it's interesting that Bruce. They're still going with this whole, like, McCormick needs to be super aggressive thing because it seemed like he was at his best in non-conference play when he was just facilitating everyone else. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm wondering if they'll get him, try to get him back to doing that. Um, but, yeah, he, he did not play well. He almost gave the game away. Was mm. that at the end of overtime? Mm-hmm. And uh, both at the end of overtime and at the end of regulation, Bruce was hot. at at Dowdy and then Purifoy about the way that those two possessions went.
1: So I can't remember if it was, I want to say it was at the end of regulation that I thought that I saw Samir mouth. Just give me the ball as they broke the huddle. Was it, I think it was after the play where they had an opportunity to take the final shot. The ball hits the floor. Samir saves it, calls timeout. Then they go to huddle. They've got another six, seven seconds to get a final shot off. And it looks like he's saying, just give me the ball. Kind of like, almost like, I don't care what the play is, just get me the ball. They don't get him the ball. And then he's upset and, and then, you know, didn't he have another opportunity in a different overtime to seal it? And he didn't do it. Yeah, so the first overtime. Yeah. It's like, I liked the idea that he was like, just find a way to get me the ball. If you're going to do that, though, you better make sure when you do get the opportunity, you make the most of well, it. Well, that's what we've been asking. Is like, who who wants the
2: ball? And I props to Samir and and I think you could lump Daniel Purifoy into this as well as you're not shooting that great, but you're still
1: you still have the confidence to shoot. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess that's a good thing. I like that mentality to an extent anyway. but I would say the shot Daniel took at the end of which overtime are we talking about now?
3: The first one
1: um, where there was about five seconds and I think he just it looked like Javon dribbled the ball off his foot. And so like mm-hmm. I think he just was like oh you know and they 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 repossessed the ball and I think What was he like? Oh Perfect. and and then I sort of feel like he he just didn't realize he had time to either dribble or find one more pass. Mm-hmm. Now he'd hit some nice shots in that corner but it felt rushed and I think he just situationally lost like lost himself in that moment. Yeah, he
3: thought he, he thought they were out of time and he had to shoot it I think. Mm-hmm. And Bruce That's what it looked like Yeah, Bruce wasn't happy about that one. I thought at the end of regulation, Bruce was yelling at Samir that he needed to get the go get the basketball and run the play.
1: Yeah, you know, I do wonder, I would like some clarity, was, was Samir simply upset that the ball did not find him? Or was, which is probably one way or another part of the frustration from Samir, and then was Coach Pearl more upset that he was complaining about not getting the ball or was he more upset that hey if you're gonna say you want it I don't care put yourself in a position to go get it if we draw up a play and we can't run that play then you've got to go find a way when things break down to demand it I would be curious and we probably won't get an answer on this to know sort of where the frustration and you know what the other thing is they won this game like Jared Harper tweeted this out you know it was sort of like Funny and dumb and ugly all at once this game was, but he points out these are the games getting into the tournament that matter so much.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, Auburn loses this game a few years ago before this culture shift. And uh, maybe this time last year, the way Auburn was playing this time last year, they may have lost this it's game. It's certainly
1: reminiscent of last year when Auburn went to Ole Miss, as the announcers brought up multiple times, uh-huh. lost in the pavilion, and then came back home thinking, all right, we dropped that one on the road, let's get it at home, and then you lost to Ole Miss and get swept by Kermit Davis' team.
2: Auburn's record against Ole Miss was really bad. I didn't realize how bad it was recently. They lost, what was it, 9 out of 10? Yeah, that, they're, that's
1: crazy. There, and then I think two of the last fourteen. I mean, they the thing that is so funny about Auburn is they've won what the most in the last the most games in out of any team in the conference. I think it's like around seventy four or seventy five in the last three seasons. But go back before those three seasons, and it's like outside of a few runs in the eighties and like nineteen ninety nine, this has been historically the second worst or worst team in the conference. Right. Yeah. And so, so I mean, like these records, it's like, oh, every time, you know, a program will be like, well, they I have won two in the last 20 and it's like this feels familiar <laughs> I don't know how much this stat means because most teams have a stat like that against Auburn
2: yeah no you're right and that's that's it's, it's good to kind of bring in that perspective so Auburn now looks ahead to Kentucky I think it was already kind of a, looking ahead to Kentucky a little bit <laughs> based on how they played last night how the game went last night but it's gonna be, uh, you know, we're getting more, more and more media emails as far as game day coming into town and all the festivities happening around that. The game day bus will be, will be in town. Well, I think I saw that Friday, something like that. So there's a, there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a lot of positive and exciting atmosphere Saturday. I hope the Auburn fan base is ready for it because this is a big deal. It's a big responsibility to host game day.
1: I was more nervous for Auburn about this game than the Kentucky game. Kentucky's obviously more talented. Typically, this is about the point of the year when Calipari's team, with all that youth, starts putting it together. So Auburn, you know, just like last year when they played Kentucky at home and lost a close one, very well could lose this game. But I like Auburn at home. And one of the things Bruce Pearl mentioned at the end of that Ole Miss game or afterward was... Our experience, our veteran play mattered a lot. We did not get flustered. We did not quit. And there's probably going to be a point at some point in the Kentucky game where they go cold, and they're going to have to work that out. And I think with the home crowd behind them and just generally playing better at home, they'll win a close one.
3: I I do want to say there were some bright spots in this Ole Miss game for – for Auburn, um, they hold Brian Tyree, the leading scorer in the conference, to eight points. They did way better on the defensive glass than they have in recent games. That yeah. They held Ole Miss to five or six offensive rebounds. That's great. Uh, and obviously, any game that you're down by 19 and you battle back and find a way to win it is, is impressive. So, there were... There's so, plenty to pick on. Uh, yeah, there, there's plenty. It's easy to sit here and be very negative since they beat... Uh, an Ole Miss team with one conference win in double overtime by one point, but you're looking at a top 20 team some, with
1: two losses. Yeah,
3: there, there are some bright spots. And like you guys were saying, it, it's all about Kentucky. And we, and we saw in the Texas tech game for Kentucky, uh, they really, their more veteran players. Step up. Nick Richards is having a great season. He had a little coming out party there against Texas tech. And this is not, a Kentucky team full of freshmen. They're led by some older players. Nick Richards is a junior or a senior? Um, I think he's a senior. The their two backcourt guys are both sophomores. So this is going to be a a, a dogfight.
1: Um I want to put also into perspective what happened last night within the league just so you're aware Of I think, one, that there's no great team in the SEC this year, so it feels very much up for grabs. And also a reminder of how difficult it can be to win on the road. Auburn ekes out a double overtime win against what I think is an overmatched Ole Miss team. Right, Texas A&M, who going into conference play looked like a bottom three, definitely bottom four, uh, just beat Tennessee and has the same record in conference play as the Volunteers at four and three. Mississippi State now with a win over Florida. Puts them at four and three, and that was on the road. And Missouri ekes out a win over Georgia. So Georgia one and six, Missouri now two and five. There's a lot of parity in the league when you look at the standings. You got six and zero LSU, five and one Kentucky, five and two Auburn, and then a bunch of four and threes, three and threes, two and five, one and sixes. This league is going to be exciting, and there's no great team. So when Auburn drops another game this season. Don't overreact. They're gonna lose more games.
3: Mississippi State beating Florida was a big deal. It was a big deal. deal. Huge deal. Especially for Florida coming off a twenty point loss at home against Baylor to then let Mississippi State come in and I mean, I said it yesterday on the lunch break. I said it on Free Money Friday every day. Mississippi State's best player is Reggie Perry. We know that from when Auburn played him. Reggie yeah. Perry is six foot ten inside guy. He went for twenty seven and eight against Kerry Blackshear, also a six foot ten guy for Florida, who's supposed to be the best player in the conference. Right, like that can't happen if for Florida. So, uh, like Painter said, a lot of teams have issues. LSU is playing Alabama tonight, and I think a lot of people would not be surprised if Alabama won that game.
1: Yeah, I think LSU's favored by five, but I'm with you. It's got one that's like, ooh, it's you got know. a weird
3: feeling about it. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't touch that if I were you, like in terms of gambling. And then I, I, you know, straight up, are you touching it? Please
3: tell me you're touching I'm all it. Over oh, it. Yeah. oh, what are you all doing? Over it. Uh, I'm probably gonna take Alabama with five points. With five points, yeah. and then I might even sprinkle them on the money line. <laughs> wow, what is the money line? Is it juicy? Is it good? Uh, are you liking it right now? I'll have to check. Check it up. All right. They uh, but LSU six conference wins like four of them have come by a total of six points or something like that, yeah. Like they could easily be two and four in the conference right now, yeah. Um, so I mean, that's, that's part of it, though, yeah, you know,
1: yeah. I don't think there's a lot of people that actually believe LSU is the best team in the conference right now, which is interesting because I don't think you can point to any other team that you're like, oh, that's definitely them. Unless you think it's Kentucky purely based on talent.
2: I, I think it's Kentucky. And then
1: the other thing is, well, LSU won the league last year, and they lost a good bit. But they brought back a talented roster through recruiting and a few players returning that, that weren't good enough for the NBA. So it's like, all right, you know, they're 6-0. But, like, I, I think most people in this room would not say
3: LSU's the best team in the conference. Uh, the money line's plus 184, so it's not that juicy. Okay, fair enough.
2: If your company is interested in advertising and marketing to men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Auburn is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want to advertise to male listeners between 18 and 44, this is your chance. Plus, our rates are pretty reasonable. Email me at lockedonauburn@gmail.com at gmail.com to get more information. I look forward to hearing from you.
0: Let's look at some, uh,
2: some, some football. We had a, a caller, John from Georgia, called in uh, about our running back conversation mm-hmm. yesterday. So let's hear from uh, from John.
1: Hey, this is John from Georgia, and I think that Harold Joyner is going to transfer and DJ and we'll take over the where booby has been at, and Booby will be the special down back. Thanks for
2: listening. I love y'all's podcast. Hey, thanks, John. Appreciate the call. You can call the Locked On Auburn podcast voicemail machine at 205-502-4285. This time of year, it really helps us a lot with content and stuff. So please, uh, please give us a ring. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Harold Joyner transferred at some point. If he did it at this point, he would have to sit out a year. Kind of makes you wonder, like, do you just stick it out and get better than grad transfer when you have the opportunity to? But, I mean, you see guys transfer and sit out all the time. So I, I, I don't know, though, if he is to transfer, like, does he tell coaches that he wants to play running back? I, I still just don't really know what he is.
1: Going back to our conversation, if you tell me someone's going to transfer, I believe you. It's like there's, there's one ball, too many backs who are all probably good players, two of which, like, we really haven't gotten to see much out of because Tank Bigsby was in high school and Mark Anthony Richards, it's all about what the coaches think he's capable of doing. So, yeah, do I think someone's going to transfer? I think it's very, very possible. But I don't, I'm don't. i not willing, nor do I feel confident, to project who it is.
3: Yeah, I agree with Painter. Um, I, I also agree with the caller. I think there's a decent chance that Harold Joyner feels like he's the odd man out and decides to move on. I wouldn't be surprised if one of these uh, younger guys, I guess— like you guys were saying yesterday, the favorite to to transfer as one of these younger guys might be Mark Anthony Richards. Mm-hmm. Just because he he's already sat out. But I do think that redshirt year matters. And, you know, if, if it were DJ Williams who transfers, as, as unlikely as that seems right now, he's got a redshirt year to sit out if, if that's the decision that he makes. And, honestly, Tank Bigsby does too. Now, Tank is probably the least likely being... As highly touted of a recruit as he is, and right and young, and coming in as a true freshman. Yeah, I
1: think the Mark Anthony thing. A lot of people probably
3: Anthony. Come on, man. We 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 did a PSA yesterday. The Roman. All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what were you
3: saying? That's it.
2: Okay, cool. Um, your uh, your quote yesterday kind of got some traction. I I, I made a, a little promo video for it about Mark Anth. I almost did it. Mark Anthony oh. being the. Uh, Mark Antony being the, the future is what you said. And a few people responded. Sam on Twitter said, I think it's one, Whitlow, two, Tank, three, DJ. What are your thoughts on that? Not,
1: not including your boy. Will you repeat that? The one, two, three? Whitlow, Tank, DJ. I don't think it matters too much, but if I guess it, the way I feel about it is DJ may have a slight edge in like the number of carries by the end of the year. That could change. It'll also depend on what the offensive line looks like and what their strength is. But I I do see Williams being a guy that gets more opportunity with the ball in his hands, just like right behind the, the offensive line. Whereas I could see Booby coming in and being your change of pace guy. Mm -hmm. That's, that's sort of the way I envision
3: it broadly. It's also worth noting that they kind of know what they've got in DJ Williams, right? They saw how he performed last year as a true freshman and, So I wouldn't be surprised if at the beginning of the year he was the guy. And uh, we've seen uh, the carry dynamic shift throughout the season quite a few times under Gus Malzahn. I mean, this year Cam Martin was your listed starter for a while, and and two years ago he was your listed starter for the whole season. They have
1: been better at moving into some sort of a rotation, and I'm curious to know because I think it's evident. Chad Morris is going to have a huge impact on the offense and, like, Does he want to run D.J. Williams into the ground? I don't know, but it seems more likely that he would probably employ multiple backs.
2: Yeah, keep giving us your running back thoughts, because I think it's going to be a fun conversation all offseason. Painter, where can people find you and hear you?
1: 11 to 1, catch the lunch break and the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. That starts Monday, right? Yeah, if that's something you're into. On and National Signing Day. That's a fun day to start. It'll be a good day to start. The lane train is rolling. But we got Michael Pappas in on the lunch break twice a day for wow. Free Money Friday. And uh, I hang out with Zach from time to time. We're right boys. Here on the Locked On Auburn podcast.
3: Michael? Follow me on Twitter, at Couch um, Watch Free Money Friday every day on ESPN 106.7's Twitter feed at 3 p.m.
2: Fantastic. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackery. Follow show on Twitter at Locked on Auburn. This has been another edition of the Locked on Auburn podcast.
0: Yay! It's the Locked on Podcast Better Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.